Hey, what's up investors? So today's episode is different. We have Rob from The Drunken Grape, and I think you're going to enjoy the conversation. So Rob is an investor, not really a real estate investor, but he does all kinds of interesting things and he focuses on wine. So he's a great sommelier and he started his business online uh, during the pandemic. And now he does virtual tastings and all kinds of great things. Awesome guy. You need to check him out on social media. He's got a great show as well. All kinds of really inspiring guests as well. I think this will really add value to your day and change things up a bit. And as you know, I love wine. So why not include a sommelier in wine and real estate? So let's get to the episode. Cheers. This podcast is brought to you by Streetwise Mortgages. Streetwise is a multi-award winning mortgage brokerage that services real estate investors across Ontario. If you're looking to grow a real estate portfolio to replace your income, supplement retirement and enhance your overall returns, the Streetwise team can help you develop a financing roadmap to scale up. They cover everything from capital sources to deal structure to opportunities to maximize your borrowing power to mapping out your future financing. Streetwise works both with clients who are starting out on their investment journeys as well as sophisticated investors with multi-million dollar portfolios. They have access to capital sources including traditional, alternative and private funds and well-versed with the various investment strategies including buy and hold, buy, renovate, refinance, rent, repeat or the BURP, multi-residential, rent-to-owns, assignments, construction financing and student rentals. To book a complimentary session with a Streetwise Income Property Advisor, go to www.streetwisemortgages.com or email the team at info at streetwisemortgages.com. Hello everyone, welcome to Wine and Real Estate. And today I'm really glad I have a special guest, so an actual wine expert. So as you know, in my episodes, I always have people that enjoy wine. I'm a wine enthusiast, but I don't really know what I'm doing. It's just like buying properties blindly. I that, that I'm better at, but the wine, I just grab bottles and I read the label and I look very smart. So welcome, Rob. If you could hey! give an intro on who you are and what you do and... That's it, your story. Well, thank you very much for having me here, Francois. This is awesome. Uh, you know, merci beaucoup. This is this is great. Hope all the viewers are having a great time. Uh, thank you for tuning in on this. And again, thank you for having me here. What could possibly be wrong with a conversation about wine and real estate? I actually have a liqueur here today, but I will talk a bit about this guy too. You made me think of a pretty iconic wine to bring up and have a chat with. So. I own the Drunken Grape. I started that about six years ago. I was um, came into the wine field and the world of wine education more like about 10 years ago. I was coming out of an IT business where I would place consultants on projects. And I was at my late father's house um, having dinner. And he, uh, I grew up with him making wine and beer. So he was he's always been more than an aficionado. He actually knew quite a bit about the subject in life. Had books nice. on it. And he inspired me to get into this field because I was thinking of getting into project management. And he looked at me and he said, do you want to even do that? That's just <laughs> a saturated field. 
there's going to be a million PMPs running around. Sure enough, he's right now. There's a bazillion PMPs. I mean, it's yeah. a hard designation, but there's probably less wine professionals and even far less beer professionals. So I'll get into my beer story a bit as well. Yeah, because you're a but beer sommelier, I think, as well. I so am. I am cool. through uh, Prudhomme Beer Certification, which nice. is the only multi-tiered uh, uh, in-class, true in-class sommelier program in North America. So it and Cicerone are your two main schools that kind of compete with each other. But my thoughts are it's kind of like WSET or the Master Court of Sommeliers or the Wine Scholar Guild or the International uh, Sommeliers Guild or even just going to Algonquin to go through their program and then doing the level three W set at the end. All education is good. It's all valuable. It's really how you apply it. It's kind of like studying computer math at Brock University as opposed to Queens or Carleton or doing yeah. a, coll a collegiate level in it. At some point, it all just crosses and meshes anyway. So, yeah, my father talked me into it. So, you know, of course, we were having a glass of wine. I knew nothing about it. <laughs> and he said, you know, you have a side job at the Marriott Hotel here in Ottawa bartending. Why don't you pursue the wine world? That is just a lot more your personality, your character. You know, you have a cruise ship background uh, in entertainment, auctioning artwork and that. You're lively. You're social. Why don't you do this? And it was the first time, actually the second time, he supported me in the cruise line business when I got into it. He was a <laughs> naval officer. So once he saw him, what I, with the money you could make in it and the fun you had in it, I mean, we worked hard. But he supported that. And he talked me into this. And you know what, Francois? I'm glad I did it because it's been quite an interesting 10-year journey. And so I set up the Drunken Grape back in October of 2015. And I was thinking of naming it Bacchus Beverage Group and all sorts of other nonsense. And we're having Thanksgiving dinner at my older brother's house. And my stepmother looked at me and she said, why don't you name it the Drunken Grape? We just erupted in laughter. <laughs> yeah, we said, there is zero freaking chance this name's available. Sure enough, it was. This is the weird part. So the .ca was available, not the .com. Somebody actually had that locked in in England, but nobody, oh, wow. had, at, nobody had at the Drunken Grape. On Instagram, nobody had the whole moniker of at the drunken grape on Twitter. Um, nobody owned it. So I took it. And nice. then I went and trademarked the name. And when it became a registered mark, uh, about a year later, and about four grand later out of my bank account, because mm -hmm. you got to protect your assets. Totally. I ended up getting the .com on back order from GoDaddy.com for $9 because the person I'd actually offered up to two grand for kept refusing it. And I think what happened was when they saw that registered R around it in a circle, it terrified them and they dumped it right away because uh. in truth, <laughs> it starts to limit you as to what you can do when somebody owns a trademark anywhere yeah. in the world. I pigeonholed yeah. them. So that's really the precipice of it. And you know, start off with live events. Actually, I didn't really know exactly where I wanted to take it, to be honest with you. I knew I wanted to do video. I knew I wanted to do branding and help wineries and breweries grow and expand. Problem is the Canadian market, a lot of them don't want to pay. And I hate to say that, but Canadians sort of have, as you know, with being an international investor, and I know we had a bit of a chat before, Canadians pull the gun a lot slower than a lot of other societies uh, like the United yeah. States to the South and other cultures that are even the Germans and other cultures are just more preemptive on business than we are or Japan or the Australians. They're much more quick to just grab a baton or New Zealand or wherever they may be. They just grab that football and run it into the end zone much quicker <laughs> than we do. We get too bureaucratic and heavy about things. So it was a slow and painful process and 
it was a lot of it was just sort of, you know, the live side was just hunkered down by a lot of baby boomers who really manipulated the scene here over 20 years offering the same nonsensical events. You know, you go in, you get your host <laughs> bar, your ticket bar, the same banquet waiters and the same Chateau Laurier, the Marriott or the Westin Hotel are passing around food. It's the same people showing up, posing and pretending. And I didn't want to have anything to do with that. And I was yeah, just, boring. I had one plan where, man, can I take this virtual? Can I work off the back of a boat one yeah. day? Yeah. You know, and really take this global and not be hunkered down by a supply line or chain. I mean, some other virtual event companies have come up like beer companies. I just saw one that looks pretty exciting. And I wanted to congratulate the guy on LinkedIn out of LA. But obviously by shipping beer to you and putting you in a beer club, they're sort of locked and loaded into having inventory and things like that. I didn't want oh, that. Yeah. I want to just truly be virtual and be an agnostic. When I host my events, I am not tied to product. And I want people to know that there's a huge difference between being tied to a list you offer as opposed to being free and agnostic. When you're agnostic, you're going to get a real experience. It's unbiased because I'm actually looking at the best of the best to bring in for your, for your event. And the pandemic hit. So I hit the switch to virtual. Most, none of us knew what the was going to go on for nope. five <laughs> months or so. But come the summer of 2020, I was sitting there going, hmm, we're not getting out of this anytime soon. Might so be a while. <laughs> I started putting the meter on in about August into putting out some video and content. This is before I launched my own podcast, The Virtual Happy Hour Experience, which is quite new, actually. It's in its infancy. It's six months old. So oh, congrats. Anyway, six months. Hey, I thanks, mean, man. Most people but get I, to five episodes. That's it. So if you've surpassed five, you're already in the top one. Oh yeah. It's hard work. <laughs> so that's what got me into it. And the pandemic really hit the switch on it. And you know yeah. what, with the destruction of corporate travel, the collapse of commercial real estate, which is only being propped up by government central bank spending right now we know this um yeah. nobody wants to go back to the office there's remote teams everywhere now and you no longer need to fly bob to meet susan from um you know seattle to toronto canada you don't need to do that anymore you can just no. go on zoom now and do this virtually and companies aren't going to bring this travel back there's zero chance of it google saved over a billion dollars in i think the first five six months of the pandemic wiping wow. out corporate travel <laughs> they're not bringing it back people like so this is where the virtual side lifted up and that's really presently what i do on this side now i want to get into more uh coaching and on how to host virtual events for people because oh, i think cool. a lot of people don't know how to do this so there's going to no, be a course offering coming up it is and you really really it's like yourself you know you've got quite a bit of a personality and a character in the real estate world and you'd have to be able to magnify that yeah totally yeah and i love that you're not tied like you said i the analogy i would get is um like a financial planner so some people work for Manulife and some are fee-based financial planners. So if you want an honest opinion on wine go or fee beer, based. that's it. Go fee-based even oh, for yeah. wine because then it's objective. It's real. We get to know what you think for real. Like you're not being paid commissions or anything. It's it's your opinion. So Yeah, and it's an easy, you know, it's an easy road to fall into, to fall into the instant commission trap, right? Because oh, yeah. I could easily just contact up, half a dozen wineries and say half a dozen and they'd say yes yes 
tie in, help us move our product and you'll get a point or two. You'll get a better deal than a rep, but you'll probably get double the commission points because we're not paying your salary. We're just That's going, it. we're trafficking it through. We used to call this a, um, not a throughput, but it was like a transfer of a contract in my old IT consulting world. So I'm familiar with this process, <laughs> but it kills your bias. It turns you a sorry. It creates bias and it kills your agnostic holistic approach. Yeah. And it's easier to just go run for the money on the low lying fruit tree. Right. But eventually it runs into trouble because you will get somebody that just says, Hey, I want a presentation that's open up about the beers of Belgium. I don't care about the offering that you have. And, and you might out. be tied in and you're out because you're probably tied into a contract now to secure and offer those people's uh, products. Why? Because it's in their interest to do that too. No business deal will ever keep you open up on that opposite end where I can just sell your products, but be open to sell everybody else's. Nobody's going to sign up for that. Nope. So no, that's, that's so why true. I kept it open. And I think it's the same with you, right? I mean, you're not part of Royal Lepage or, you know, I'm not Century a real I do my own thing. I don't follow rules. I actually like breaking rules. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't really follow rules. I kind of make them, I guess. Uh, and it's the same thing. So realtors, yes, of course, it's it's good to have a, like a, a banner. And there is protection. But I mean, now this we're talking about wine and beer. So really, it's nice to have an independent advice. So Rob, I'd like to know, like in those 10 years, did your favorites change? Like, I'm sure at first, oh, oh I yeah. love this. And now you're like, <laughs> oh, I can't drink that stuff. It's like Kool-Aid. And how did your yeah, palate evolve? Oh, yeah. I mean, when I first went to Vandage Institute here in Ottawa, it was 2012. And I clocked, just about clocking into my 40th. I think I just turned 40. So at the time, I was looking at a change. And I was like, you know, what do I do? Yeah, you know, I've got this IT business that went to hell with a bad partner. I don't want to be a career bartender in hospitality. I, I just, no, I want to do something that's stimulated. And it's not that I didn't like the family at the Ottawa Marion Hotel. I'm still kind of there casually. They treat me well. I mean, it's a good place. But it's, uh, and it's a fun place, but it's not what I want to make my core focus. As a side gig, absolutely, it's a blast. But, but 40 hours, yeah, it's, it's yeah, hard. No. No, and I've done that route temporarily, and no, it's it was it's not what I wanted to do long term. So this just gradually built up. It's a continuous work in process. I mean, the pandemic has definitely put a hard stop and a and a start to a lot of things. Even yeah. now here in Ontario, as we were discussing, we're kind of Doug Ford went kind of excessive this time on a much milder variant. When most people, I think, what is it, eighty nine percent or ninety one percent has at least one shot. 80 something too. And now we're probably over 50 with three, <laughs> you know, yeah, what this is but the journey of it still doesn't change. And what I'm saying here is we're always going to face adversity. You know, I faced family loss. I lost my twin sister two and a half years ago. My, oh my. my dad went five years prior or three years prior to that, or two, two and a half, something like that. My mom was gone in April of 2020 from long-term dementia. And what I can say is just keep holding the fort. If you're passionate and you love what you do and the labor of love is there. I mean, don't get me wrong. Some days you get tired of it just coming into this lockdown initially and yeah. feeling under the weather. And I'm not sure if it was Omicron or the flu. There's no way to be tested here right now. Um, even though I have three shots in me, I can say that you just keep going. And yeah. the joy of this is I expanded also into beer. 
I followed into the beer side of things about three years later. I was stuck at an event. This is funny, actually. So I did an event for fire chiefs in a now defunct company called Groovy Grapes. I was one of their sommeliers that was contracted out to do events. And they were a good outfit. They were fun to work for. And um, beer was on the list. And I'm like, oh, wow. Fucking hell, I know nothing about beer. So I pulled out La La Ross Gastronomy, this, the chef's Bible. It's got a page on beer, just basically saying lagers are like white wine, ales are like red wine. I'm like, well, that's pretty simple. So we'll just focus on that. And it was a theme of Canada versus the rest of the world. So at the time, mm. I think I had Mill Street in there before they went, uh, before they became part of Labatt. They were yeah. truly, I believe, either Ontario's or Canada's largest craft brewer, yeah, probably Ontario. I think Ontario because technically Moosehead is still a craft brewer mm. and they're, they're about 5% of Canada's uh, sales by volume. They're a juggernaut. But wow. to look at that, that's what got me into it. So I researched this program called Prune Home and I developed into it and I, I've achieved the level three out of four levels there. And at the time I'd hit the height of what they offered, educationally speaking, level four was developed between 2017, 2019. Oh, and I just got too busy with business and other coursework. So I will get to that and do my master's level. But it's um, the hybrid of the two really opens up a lot of doors because a lot of wine people, master what masters of wine, master sommeliers might have a general understanding of beer. And I just want to say general, very general, like I did after reading that page or two and just sort of understanding the nuances yeah. and realizing that tasting beer is subtly different to tasting wine, but a lot of the mechanics are similar in that the process of a flavor wheel and you know certain grains and certain hop characteristics will impart certain flavors as well as how you brew. It's very similar to viticulture and how you vinify yeah. wines. And you know, there's so many different things a brewer or a vintner can do to manipulate in the winery or the brewery. They cross-reference, but a lot of people don't bother because a lot of wine people are too snobby to look at beer. And a lot of beer people are pretty cool and don't want to look at the snobs on the wine front. So they're not That's really interested it. in it. <laughs> so I took it up the middle, like almost like a mixed martial artist would and said, hey, you know, if I'm going to be good at grappling, why not be good at striking too? And that's sort of what a combination of it. And it's created an interesting journey. And the pandemic has opened the doors to my client base going across North America. Now, to any business builder out there, you know, as the, this yourself, Francois, it's a long game. It's not something that's going to build overnight. And it's partly no. why I didn't marry myself to any supplier or producer, much that's like it. you haven't married yourself to any one investment house or realtor or realty organization or brokerage no. house, because it gives you like me the flexibility to work with clients in a way that opens it up to true possibilities and true customization that they would never find anywhere else. And I think that's really the magic of what we're doing. No, that's excellent. And I love that analogy. Um, so how did you transition from being a full-time employee in IT? Oh, no, you had your own business. Um, I did. So you were not an employee. You're already an entrepreneur. So that's good. But still, I mean, you had a, something that was proven and it worked. And then, then you transitioned. Did you live off your savings? And Oh, that was job? hard. That's a different story. Yeah. I, mean, I almost <laughs> went into personal bankruptcy oh, at one no. point because uh, I staved it off. I didn't even have to do a proposal. I just fought and worked. And that's where the Marriott gig really was helpful. Okay. It allowed me to get in there for get more hours. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very good paying, what people would say, a transitionary or non-professional job. 
but that's the ignorance of North America. Servers and bartenders are some of the best at multitasking, complex tasks, and working very hard on the floor. Oh, and yeah. we tend to think that it's the Barbie in her 20s or the Ken doll that does this job or so, oh, yeah, you must be clearly doing something else or you're just a loser for doing that because you're mature and doing it. And we have a very wrong attitude in Canada, especially about this, because there are some really professional servers and bartenders out there on the floor that make a killing. They do great. And they make all the difference. So you go, you can go to a great restaurant, horrible service, it's garbage. The meal, I don't care how good the food is, it destroys the experience. They come too often, and and then you have a great server, or and then it it could be amazing. So you're you're so right with yeah, that. Yeah, and they're knowledgeable too. Or you know, we're now finally with the pandemic seeing a shift. I think maybe a little more to the European model. Some places are bundling in their tips into the fees. And I think that creates at a higher level, a better experience because particularly on the service floor, you're not having people throwing elbows to take the better section anymore. No, people, that's are it. people are in a pool now. So what it also does is it exposes the bad servers and flushes them out. And you have yeah. a professional class of servers and that's what you're talking about. So they focus on the experience. And when you're doing anything in business, it solves problems. You have to solve people's problems, yeah. but you have to also provide an experience. And you know, with the drunken grape, the experience is joy. I want my corporate clients because that's what I focus on. Dabbled into the consumer end and it was a bit disastrous. People didn't bring the product I recommended. Oh no. You know, oh yeah. These are friends of mine that I know and I'm still pretty friendly with them, but I was pretty disappointed with them. I won't lie. But yeah. If you do it. And then the host, and... yeah. And then the host didn't really know how to host and it wasn't really his fault because it's not his background. He's a tremendous business person. He's one of my business mentors. So, you know, shit happens, but the corporate side I control and I do, and I can tell you it's the experience when people get together on a zoom call, because it's the best way to do it. And you bring them through a journey and you open up right away with a drink in hand saying, hey, this is Rob from the Drunken Grape. Welcome to this great experience we're going to have for you today. You've already got them engaged. They already have a drink in hand. They're already listening to what you're talking about. And the joy level rises. And that's about a professionalism too, right? I mean, your impact off doing anything should be great right off the get-go. And it's about really loving what you do because you cannot hide passion. You know, there's no. there's a girl I know named Marley Alpers who's kind of in a network marketing Amway version of the wine world. It's called Scout <laughs> and it. Stellar. <laughs> yeah, it's a US-based company. I think they're only really there right now. But, you know, we're talking about somebody who doesn't have on the books really a high level of education. She's very smart. She's a very good presenter. But her passion just kicks through. And she does such a great job with it because she's passionate. And that is the difference right there. Knowledge can be gained over time. I mean, yeah. you know, we talked on a private call about crypto and gold and silver, some of the stuff I love investing in. Uh, real estate's on the next block, but not here. I believe the international markets are a lot better. Um, Canada is just in a crazy inflationary bubble across the board. We're watching housing prices, food prices, the price of your socks and underwear skyrocket here. <laughs> and being agnostic opens the doors to get around that in, in a global community because you can't yeah. avoid that. And it's important to recognize those things, building yeah, forward and growing. Yeah. It's, it's good for any, any business. So I'd love to hear about your corporate events. Like, can you tell us how, how do you do a virtual wine tasting? I've only attended the boring ones, like you said in <laughs> earlier, privately. So you go to a nice, fancy restaurant and it's food and wine, food and wine, and then get out. So 
how do you do this virtually? That sounds really exciting. Well, what you do is, I mean, in Ontario, it's pretty easy. I don't touch the booze. I have it shipped because I don't want to get involved in all the legalities of storing and holding alcohol. Um, it's a pretty regulated industry. So what I do is I arrange the buying for the uh, client, have it shipped to them through usually the LCBO or, you know, just have it delivered, just get it okay. out there to them. Uh, breweries, a lot of breweries will ship and deliver either locally or within the province. They can do that. They can ship it out to you. There's a bit of a fee, but it's usually not too much money. So it gets the product right into the hands from the actual outlet to the door of the client itself. And then from there, we just take you on a journey. Now, if it's out of province or out of country, you often have to guide them to where they can buy the product. Yeah, that is harder. <laughs> and source it for them. And then they go and either have to pick it up by law because some places and jurisdictions, you remember, don't we deliver. still run under 1918 laws from prohibition. Some uh, <laughs> places don't even allow shipping. Like New York City, you have to go pick up New York, you have to go pick up your own product. You can't even have it delivered. Whereas well, here it's it's fairly recent. I mean, this much delivery, it used to be tough. Well, it used to be totally illegal. It used to be oh, underground yeah. or it was like one agency dial a bottle with really cheap, crappy beer. Yes. And <laughs> um, the markup was colossal. I mean, you get a case of beer in those days, uh, your $25 case of beer in the year 2000 was $100 when it arrived. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, yeah. So things have changed. I mean, they've progressed. So that's really the gist of it. What we do is I do a whole experience guide for my client too. So we break down what they want to achieve. We break down what they want to discuss. Uh, so I read it out in a whole outline of what's what we go through with it. We talk a bit about wine and beer or, or sorry, wine and food or beer and food, depending on what's happening. Um, I actually do more beer tastings by far than wine tastings just because there's a lot less competition. And I think the cost of the product's a lot more accessible. Yeah. And it's also a lot easier to ship a four, like a quad pack of canned beer to somebody. And um, you don't have to worry about breakage, spoilage. Bottles get really expensive. I mean, if you look at something like this, very few wineries have small sample size, you know, like the airplane style bottle. Yeah, I wish yeah, they had that rare. everywhere, but the cost <laughs> of bottling is colossal. And the only reason that they do that is because the volume of sales is so high in the airline. If you take a look at the wines you're getting, you're not getting premium mm. wine. You might on no. first class. You do on first class. I've had the pleasure of flying that a couple times. But in economy, you get Jackson no. Trigg and it's like cheap wine. And But even then, the bottling cost could be like three, four bucks for a bottle this size. Oh, even wow. the small ones can cost you a buck 25. People don't realize that the industry is so heavily taxed that the producer actually makes some of the least money in the actual program of it itself. The biggest so, profit is the government as usual. It is. It <laughs> is. So, or the distributor, the distributor, okay. in which case is also the government it's LCBO. But if you get into the States, it's a lot of private distributors like total wine and more. Okay. They make a fortune off moving people's product. So there are those hurdles, but they're not difficult, but yeah, you put them through the engagement plan and obviously you have a discovery call, figure out what they want beforehand. You write that up, package it, put it together, and then you execute the event much like you would on a live tasting. So at that point, people have the recommended glassware. I like stemless glasses. I mean, this is a tumbler. Usually open face wine glasses are a bit better. Tulip glasses for beer. And I like stemless. Why? Because you don't have to worry. But imagine knocking over by your computer yeah, a stemmed wine glass and it goes flying true. into your screen. If it's stemless, 
it tends to slide off a table. You may, I've done it accidentally. Break oh, no. it on the floor and you got to play pick up 52 with a mop, but it's a lot less hell than destroying your technical equipment around you. Let me tell you. So yeah, there's even the subtleties of things like that. And you just package it and customize it for them. And you let the engagement go off and you really want to have a session that covers about an hour. You don't want to go too much longer, but you want to engage them in between. You want them to talk about what they feel that's in that glass. You know, when you get into a wine or a beer like this, you know, this is a iconic wine. This is Stag's Leap uh, Wine Cellars. This is the Artemis. This is the one that won the Judgment of Paris in 1976. This beat out the best of Bordeaux. And it was a competition by a gentleman by the name of Steve Spurrier, who was an English journalist. It was an American, I can't remember her name, but she was an American living in France under France. uh, She had a French citizenship and all the judges were French and they did it blind and they thought they would crush California. And And the cabs have ever since demolished them annually in competitions. Like it just seems to be that California cab. It's, you know, these rich jammy notes. um, It just has such a good affinity, not only for Oak. I mean, Cab Sauvignon, is a grape that's a cross in between Sauvignon Blanc and Cabernet Franc. It's a French varietal. It comes from Bordeaux and they map it to at least the 18th century, if not further back, you know, it's a tannic variety. It's got a lot of weight and body to it. It also has great affinity to age incredibly well in barrels. So, you know, the Bordelais had just brilliant mixing this with, um, Petit Verdot and Cab Franc and Cab uh, and Merlot to balance it out because it's the northern reaches of viticulture. Well, in California, you have a Mediterranean climate. And if you take yeah. a look at some of the wine belt throughout the world, anything that's Mediterranean tends to be damn hard to beat. Italy, that's for it. instance, is so dominant with varietals. It has more wine varietals than anywhere else in the world. You know, it's out of the 1,358 or so categorized and listed, about a third belong to Italy globally. Oh my, that's a lot. (laughs) And in California, they have half of all the soil types in the world. It's tremendous biodiversity. You have volcanic soil, you have schist, you have granite, you have limestone, you have sandstone, you have alluvial, colluvial soils, which are formed by slope wash. So you also have this long ripening period, which just invited it so well for things like this. And, you know, that's just an example of some of the things we cover while we drink. And okay. it just gets people excited about it because there's so much more in the glass uh, than just what you think. You know, there's a history yeah. to these wineries and breweries and distilleries. There's exciting stories. Usually, you know, some of these breweries in Europe, uh, like Vahein Steffen, which uh, is famous for Weissbier and Hefeweizen, has been around since 1040. It's the longest oh <laughs> continuous running brewery in existence. It has never shut operations. And you think about it. It survived wars, famines, famines used. What happens with grains when you have a famine? Well, you're not going to produce beer, right? You're going to turn to food production. Somehow they kept the doors open anyway. And, you know, the Allies invaded that territory in World War II, especially bombed the hell out of it. And somehow this brewery (laughs) in Bavaria stayed intact. It's incredible. So you learn about things like this in the journey. And then you learn about 
how acidity makes things sharper in the glass or how body and weight adds character and how it pairs to certain types of food. You know, how cheese is a great pairing for wine yeah. and beer and so on. And it's fun because you get people engaged. And I think the key is engagement. If you don't have anyone engaged, they're going to walk away and fall asleep. And we're in a society now that's starving for socialization. Yes, very much so. I'm sure this, like the pandemic, although it did close certain things down, like you said, it did open up other doors. Like a lot of people had Zoom uh, Christmas parties and things. So this would be an amazing way. Otherwise, like, oh, we're going to look at each other on the screen and what do you say <laughs> and what do you do? Yeah. And, you know, think about it. Half of the office hates the other half of it anyway. So you get That's them away from the actual live <laughs> event. They're in their house. They can tend to their kids and their pets before the event kicks off. They no yeah. longer have to commute halfway across the city. We know how weather is in Canada and the northern uh -huh. reaches of the United States. In the wintertime, half the time, you don't even want to leave your house. It's just lousy. Unless you're going to the ski hill, skating or playing hockey. Yeah. Not snowshoeing for, or sledding or snowmobiling. Or... Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you no longer have to worry about that. You eliminate flying people that you know, you may have a company of 50 people, five live or 10 of your staff live in Toronto. Well, in the old style of events, what do you think you had to do in a live event to get them up here? How yeah, much money fly. did that cost? I that mean, was enormous. How, how prohibitive was that on getting people together? You yeah. did it, but it was costly as hell. Now you can do it for a fraction of the cost, have better engagement. They're not there all night. They can go off and do something else afterwards. And they feel that they've been looked after in a very proper way. And, you know, the other part of it, too, is green. We want green now, right? Yeah. Well, if I'm flying and driving people everywhere, what's the emissions like all over the place? Now, if you just, you're in your house and you just hit the light switch. You're already paying hydro bills and you have your yeah. computer and home office now set up there thanks to the pandemic. And <laughs> in some ways, it's a big blessing. Yeah. Um, you are not contributing. You're contributing to a much better environmental footprint by hosting events this way too. So there's a lot of benefit. It's all benefit if you think about it. It's you knock out cost to a company. Yeah, they can take that money and reinvest it in a better Christmas gifts instead of shitty baskets. They can turn around <laughs> and invest in your training to elevate you. Yeah. They can improve pay. If they decide to do none of that, they can give you a vacation, uh, you know, better vacation terms, or they can give you better work flexibility. They can outfit you with better equipment that you need to get your job done. A lot of places, supply chains and the equipment they provide have been in tatters and yeah. it opens the door for them to reinvest in all that, which also means that it secures better stability and security for your job down the road, because let's face it. About 1% of people want to take our route. 99% are just happily employed and they just want to be well employed. And there's nothing wrong with that. No. Everybody has a different metric of what they want to achieve. No, exactly. And it's and it's very important, I mean, to, um, to, to have that uh, flexibility. Like you were saying, some people don't want to quit, but having a, like the uh, live-work balance is very, um, it changes things quite a bit. It helps you well stay. So right now we're seeing a lot of people quitting jobs and leaving positions. But the work-life balance, if it is doable, is very important. And yeah, wow, I didn't realize the drunken grape could do all that. So uh, Rob, thank you so much. So if people want to reserve their own event, what's the best way to reach you? 
They can hit me up at rob at thedrunkengrape.com. They can hit me at info at thedrunkengrape.com. There's my website, thedrunkengrape.com. There's the YouTube channel you can even reach out to, and I invite everyone to subscribe to that and hit up the playlist, the virtual happy hour. I have guests every week, and actually I would love to have you as a guest coming up soon because I think we've got a lot more to chat about, and we can really dig into some cool things, and we can talk more about your world, which I'm excited about too. And um, they can hit me up on LinkedIn, Facebook, you know, it's, I think at LinkedIn, I actually have an under, well, it's my name, but it's, I am Rob Statham. It's kind of hilarious. I was able to find that. <laughs> um, but you can actually just go at the Drunken Grape at Instagram. You can punch in the Drunken Grape on Facebook. The company page comes up. And the beauty of today's integrated world online is that, I mean, I'm not sure what I think of the metaverse coming, but right now, presently, it's so well integrated that you can find me and hit me up in many ways. I mean, the phone's probably going to buzz at about 12 to 15 different forms of communication. Yes. Yeah, it's true. No, and then Metaverse, maybe you will have virtual wine tasting. You kind of have, I guess you'll need a straw with the goggles and then you try to, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that whole virtual world, man. That's, uh, but that's a whole different topic we can discuss. Yes, on the next time. Well, thank you so much for joining me on Wine and Real Estate and giving us insights into what you do and something very different. I haven't met uh, many others that do virtual wine and beer tasting. So this was excellent. And uh, until the next time, cheers. Thank you very much. Cheers, my friend. Much love. Thank you. Hello, investors. So you've been thinking about scaling your business, your portfolio, getting into real estate investing, but you don't know where to start. Or you've been an investor for a while and you've hit a wall. So financial roadblock, or your market is tapped out, or you're just tired of the landlord and tenant board if you're in Ontario, I have a solution for you. So I've set up recently two new Facebook groups. One is called the Creative Real Estate Investor Beta Group. It's free for anyone to join. Look it up on Facebook. I'd love to see you there. I provide a one hour free group coaching on that group every month. And I have great guests as well coming on and lots of exchange happening. I also have the alpha group. So same thing, but it is a paid group. So it's $97 US per month, but you also get discounts for one-on-one coaching with me. And I have all kinds of guests that are uh, more exclusive. We're gonna have some insider information, information about pre-construction opportunities, deals in other countries, states, and uh, private lending, private lenders, joint ventures, you name it, anything related to real estate will be there. So I'd love to see you there. You can also send me an email, flhomescorp at gmail.com to find out more. Cheers. Hey there, listeners. We hope you enjoyed this latest episode of the Wine and Real Estate Podcast. Yes, absolutely. You can find us on Instagram. Our handle is wine underscore and underscore real estate. So wine and real estate on Facebook, FL Homes Corp. And you can also find us on our YouTube channel. Yes. And please make sure to give us a rating, five stars Mm -hmm. or any comments. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, we love suggestions as well. Cheers. Yeah. Chin chin. Thank you.